Earnings season winding down, debt ceiling heating up, and what's the latest CPI and PPI tell us? Welcome, it's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We are busy today. Let's get right to it. I'm Danny Clayton, Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer, Dave Spano, our President and CEO. Thank you, Danny. Of course, that you nailed you nailed it again on this setup. Is this earnings season has been winding down, and that's really where we want to start because a lot of these companies did report better than expected. Right. I mean, the beat rates were above average. Uh, the the expectation versus expectations, and not only that, the guidance was better than many people thought it would be. So a uh, better than feared quarter. Uh, the growth rate was was negative, but not by as negative a margin as people thought at the beginning of earnings season. And we'll see what happens in the second quarter. You know, one of the things that which is is interesting is that there are 10 stocks which really account for 90% of the rally this year, and sometimes people forget that. Right. When you think about Microsoft, Google, Amazon, Meta, and NVIDIA, what they all share in common is exposure to AI, and artificial intelligence is all the rage these days. Many think that's going to add to the growth rates for those companies. And in addition, many of them took some major cost-cutting measures in the last couple of quarters that helped boost their results. So those those names have carried the S&P 500. They've certainly carried the NASDAQ. And it's, despite all the negative news we've heard, the S&P is up 8% for the year. I mean, that cert- certainly caught a lot of people flat-footed. I mean, there's so much bearish sentiment out there right now. So you can see when the tech rally continued, that certainly caused some people to reevaluate what they own. But seasonality is a real thing. And here we go, just wrapping up May. And the old saying of sell in May and go away might be a reality. All right. And over the long haul, on average, that has been a better six-month period to avoid than the six months that are started by October through April. But generally speaking, you know, we've got a lot of issues out there. We've got the debt ceiling debate. Uh, we've got questions about the banking system. The, the regional bank index continued to go down this week, despite the fact that many people were trying to call a bottom. So there are a lot of significant headwinds for the market, not to mention the fact that T-bill rates continue to be above 5%. And you talk about, you know, where there's opportunity in the market. And we certainly talked about the potential bank crisis and that maybe we haven't seen the end of the bank crisis because of the amount of commercial real estate that's out there. But some people are talking about a tactical opportunity there. Right. I mean, one of the things about financials, and this is a study that Ned Davis researched, is what they found is after the last Fed rate hike, as the yield curve begins to steepen, the, the financials in general have outperformed the subsequent six months. So from these low levels, it wouldn't shock me at all if that were the case. The other thing that came out this week, and I thought this was really interesting, both Stanley Druckenmiller and Warren Buffett talked about taking advantage of other people's mistakes. What Buffett said, and I paraphrase a little bit, is we wait for the fat pit, holding lots of cash, when those who did stupid things are, to, are found to be swimming naked. And what Druckenmiller said was, when you have free money, people do stupid things. When you have free money for 11 years, people do really stupid things. Obviously, the regional banks recently, we've had Bed Bath & Beyond, but he assumes there are more bodies coming. Just make sure to preserve your capital until they present themselves. And that's essentially the way we've been approaching the market. And how you do that, folks, is not really trying to time all the way in and time all the way out, but making sure that you have dry powder in your portfolio. And that can be as easy as increasing your fixed income position or holding some cash that certainly pays a much better interest rate than we've seen in almost a decade. Yeah, one of the things we did, we've liked the energy sector for a long time. And the energy sector has been under selling pressure over the last couple of months as people fear uh, the onset of a recession. But some of those energy companies that generate great free cash flow and pay a dividend over 4% are now at much more attractive buy levels. So we add a little bit of exposure 
exposure there and one of our strategies. And then lastly, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the debt ceiling debate, and we're going to hear more about that. And, of course, we do believe that the, the banking crisis still is in front of us. But as you said, as that yield curve begins to flatten out, that could be something that we're going to look at as we go into the rest of the year. Well, and you're, by that you mean you're talking about short-term rates starting to come in because right now there's a little bit of concern. So the, the one-month T-bill is actually trading at 5.5%, which is significantly higher than it would other if it weren't for this situation. The other thing, and people need to remember this, in 2011 we had the same sort of situation, and it was after they approved the debt ceiling that the market sold off because that involves taking liquidity out of the system in the short run. And I just want to say we, we're going to talk about that in just a minute with Brian Jacobson, but you know, make sure that the facts and circumstances are the same. Most importantly, folks, know what you own, why you own it, and how much you're paying for it. And do it with a fee-only fiduciary. Dave Spano has built this team many layers deep with really smart people. Keeps uh, hiring those PhDs, which really right. is, you're raising the curve or dropping the curve or something. It's, it's helping us. It's helping. It's, <laughs> you and I are totally. graded on a curve. <laughs> totally. Investment and retirement planning, tax planning and estate planning. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary with the entire Annex Wealth Management team. Talking about complete fee transparency, not trying to sell you anything. We would love to help. The website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. You can catch the Week in Review on Demand, Spotify at the top of the hour, and the Axiom Newsletter, or wherever you get your podcasts. Saturday, May 13th, it's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back on 620 WTMJ. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. You can check out our SWAT podcast from the Annex Wealth Management Investment Team. That's Monday morning, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Danny Clayton. Dave Spano, our president and CEO, is in the studio. Now joined by Brian Jacobson, our chief economist at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, you are one good-looking guy, and the way I know that is, number one, you're in the studio, but number two, I saw you on television on Friday, and that was pretty impressive. Oh, thank you so much. Really appreciate that. That was a debt ceiling conversation. Interesting stuff. It was, yeah. Everybody's talking about the debt ceiling these days. Yeah, they really are, Brian. And of course, it's certainly causing a lot of concern. And, you know, I heard lots of people talking about it this past week. And obviously, people are starting to ramp up their concern. But you look at some of these factors that are out there. I read this week that 43% of commercial real estate is held by the regional banks. And it's a substantial part of their portfolio. Obviously, the yield curve is inverted. And we're just coming off of 14 years of free money. You look at all of those facts and the fact that now there is a debt debate at the same time that you see all of these factors, and I can see why people are concerned about it. Yeah, I agree with you. There's always conflating factors in these different crises and that, and I think that when I look back at the last time we had a major debt ceiling debacle, 2011, a lot of people point to that and say, hey, you know what? Even though they got a deal done, the equity market ended up selling off pretty significantly afterwards, and what they tend to forget is that there was that Greek debt drama going on around that time. Europe was in a recession in 2011. So a lot of the things that really caused the problems in the markets during that period of time after a deal got done was not related to a deal being done. It was due to these extra factors. And I think the fact that people sometimes draw parallels to the past of what the markets have done, they really have to look at really the fact pattern. Are the facts and circumstances the same? Now, we're not here to make any predictions on what we think could happen. What we're saying is those times are slightly different, but there's certainly risks that we see now. And at some point, the Republicans and the Democrats are going to have to talk about the debt, $32.5 trillion. And if we don't do it, the CBO has 
interest on the debt surpassing and squeezing everything out in just about 10 or 15 years from now. Yeah, and one of the things that was I always taught students when I was teaching introductory macroeconomics was the idea of crowding out, you know, and even though it doesn't oftentimes show up in the data, but there is this idea that at a certain point, when you have to pay the debt, it does crowd out other spending. And I think that's one of the big fears here is that as the interest costs have gone up, well, Corporate America has done a great job, for the most part, extending the duration of their debt, taking advantage of those low rates. The federal government didn't. They were still heavily reliant on issuing this short-term treasury bills and that instead of doing what a lot of economists were asking for is, hey, why don't you issue longer-term debt so that way the interest burden doesn't start squeezing out other priorities. And let's talk about that in layman's terms. The Federal Reserve goes out and buys these bonds. So they have bonds on their balance sheet. That's what we mean when we say that. And about half of these bonds are going to come due in the next three years. Well, they were paying approximately one and a half to two percent, and now they're going to have to pay market rates. And we're talking about, in some circumstances, tripling the interest rate that they were. That should cause people to look at the scenario differently. It really does, because how are you going to pay for that? Is it going to be through cutting spending, raising taxes, or increasing inflation. You know, those are really the three ways in which debt gets dealt with. And I guess there is that fourth option of an explicit default. But from the sounds of it... Versus the technical default. Yeah, as opposed to the technical default here, you know, we do have, I think, a slight problem with the negotiations that are going on is there isn't really a firm deadline. A lot of people have been talking about June 1 being this X date, but that's actually just a wild guess as to when the Treasury might run out of room in order to actually not have to risk defaulting on the debt. It could be as late as August. A lot of it depends on the flows into the Treasury and those expenditures that come out. And some of the politicians are out there, including Janet Yellen, putting out these disastrous results. But there is an answer if the politicians have the stomach to go out and do it. And that's one of the conversations we are going to continue to have. But more importantly, folks, we've laid out a scenario where you have to go through your portfolio and understand if there is these outside factors, what that does to your portfolio. And the way to do that is to know what you own. Why is it in your portfolio and how much you're paying for it? It is so important, ladies and gentlemen. And we've got the team to help. And we do it as a team for sure. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. We'd love to do it for you. And we can do it uh, fairly soon. So get a hold of us. You can do it on the weekend. Head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Start button. Let's get you going for this year and beyond. What's retirement income insecurity? Something new or has it always been around? We're going to take a break and be back with that next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 620 WTMJ. It is time for Ask Annex. Here we go. And again, if you got a question, you head to our website, look for the Ask tab. We get back to everybody. If you want to remain anonymous, that's fine. And if you don't want your question answered on the radio, that is fine as well. In the studio, Sarah Kyle, a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Hello. Hello, Danny. We've got Matt Morsey, investment team manager here. Hey. Hey, Danny. Our first question is from Craig. Will the 60-40 portfolio come back from the dead this year? It's been dead, huh? Yeah, I think last year in 2022, that was certainly the story 
story of the year, or at least something that, you know, if you went to Yahoo or MSN or Google Finance or any of those, you had articles on the 60-40 all year. And really what that came to is that it was a year where both stocks and bonds went down a lot, which typically doesn't happen at the same time. Usually if stocks are down, bonds usually hold their value pretty well and they're they're uncorrelated or have a low correlation to each other. But last year with rising interest rates, bonds got killed just as much as stocks did. So it's a year that a lot of people were, were trying to move away from that. When you're looking at a forward metric standpoint of, of is it dead in or is it going to come back is what are the potential future returns from each of the two asset classes? So we have stocks now that are trading at a lower multiple that they were going into 2022. And you have bonds with a higher yield now than they did then as well too. And so you're at a spot where you actually see a better outcome moving forward from the 60-40 than you would have thought a year ago. You also have the add-on to not only getting a higher yield on some of those longer term bonds, but if the Fed is going to cut like the market thinks it's going to, you have the chance of capital appreciation with your bond as well. So they actually look pretty attractive. And this is something actually we talked about recently on one of our SWAT podcasts is that the 60-40 actually looks pretty attractive right now. This is one of those topical type of things that comes up when you have a historically non-normal time period, which is what we just experienced. Over the last 10 years, and this is according to Vanguard, the 60-40 averaged 6.1% per year in the last 10 years, ending at the end of 2022. So even with a horrible 2022, you still got 6% a year. When they're using their forward metrics to put out their capital assumptions going forward, assuming the higher yields that we have now, potential gain in bonds, they're actually saying that you're going to get a higher 60-40 return over the next 10 years than what we just experienced. Now, we don't know if that's going to happen. We'll see in 10 years if that's true, but it actually looks more attractive now, according to Vanguard, than it did before. Next up is from Kyle. What are the main differences between active and passive investments? There's a couple different ways to look at that. So passive, or what people usually refer to that as kind of like an index investment. So you're just going to buy the S&P 500 and it's a passive because you're just making that decision to do that. You're just going to let the market do what the market's going to do. Active is where you have somebody who's actively trying to beat the market. So whether using the S&P 500 as a benchmark, you have an active manager, usually inside of a mutual fund, trying to make stock picks to beat that index. The other way to look at that too is you could be passive by picking an ETF that has a set strategy to it. Maybe a it's tilted in a certain direction, but it's not necessarily having an active manager picking stocks. So that's kind of a hybrid between the two as well. But active is somebody trying to beat a benchmark. Passive is generally a benchmark. And there's some variations off of that as well, too. And with that comes different fee structure, too. So the active manager is typically going to have that higher fee and the passive investment strategy is going to have a lower cost. A lot of times passive investing might have 0.02% or 0.03% mm-hmm. because all they have to do is set the benchmark and then forget it. And then they rebalance once a year along with the benchmark. So there's very little work to go into it. And then the active is trying to beat it. So they're charging you for the research, for their staff. They're charging you for all those things in order to beat it. So it's important to look at the net expense of what you're going to pay, but then what the returns are net of those fees. It's Ask Annex. Got a question for us. You head to our website, look for the Ask button. This one is anonymous. Is there a tipping point between taking on enough risk to achieve my retirement goals, but not? so much that I'm risking my future financial security. Boy, that's a big question, Sarah. Yeah. Well, yes, there is a tipping point between those. But the amount of risk that you take really depends on several factors, including your investment goals, your time horizon, your risk tolerance, as well as your risk capacity. We talk about this all the time. So after you determine that, then it's important to have that financial plan constructed. And that will be a nice roadmap to help you determine how much risk you should be taking. 
Final question real quick, and we get a lot of them on AI, artificial intelligence. Is everybody falling all over themselves trying to get into these investments? Well, I feel it's really, it's exciting when progress presents us with new innovation. But just like the internet, when that internet came on the scene, the dot-com bubble, there were winners and losers. So um, there are thousands of companies that went out of business and did not survive. And AI companies will be the same way. They'll be winners and losers. You got to do your homework and know what you own. But these companies will transform the way we do business and create new opportunities and challenges for both companies and individuals. Just do your homework, know what you own. We'll see how it all plays out. Yeah, I think one of the funny things to watch with this is the change of times that it gets mentioned within companies' earnings calls. So there seems to be a lot of trends when over time in these calls, and they'll highlight this on CNBC or other news outlets where they'll go through and, and take the transcripts and find out how many times a word is used quarter to quarter. And so a year or two ago, it was Metaverse and through every single one of these earnings calls. And now it's AI. In fact, they played like a couple uh, minute segment the other day where it was just highlights of different different people that were on CNBC over the last few months saying the letters AI over and over and over again. And it's just amazing to see all of a sudden that's the new buzzword that's talking. It's certainly something that looks like it's going to change how we do things, as you mentioned. But like you said, there's going to be winners and losers. And right now, everyone wants to play the AI game. Some of them have even changed name of the company, their ticker symbol, all those things to get people to think of them as the AI company or, or doing that. So it's going to be really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. You're welcome. Matt Morris, the Investment Team Manager. Thanks. Thank you. We are going to be right back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Dean Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development, CFP and a CDFA at Annex. Welcome back. Thank you, Danny. Happy to be here. There's a difference between tax prep season, which we left, what, a month or so ago, and tax planning season. There is a difference. Tell us, when is tax planning season? Yeah, I think we're all familiar with prep and that infamous April 15th or so deadline. But uh, one could argue, Danny, that we're constantly tax planning. So planning season's on all the time. Whenever there's a transition or there are cash flow decisions to be made, um, heading to and through retirement especially, that have to do with your tax bracket and all the implications that can go with that in retirement, including understanding if you're subject to net investment income tax or IRMA, which is that adjustment made for Medicare premiums part B and D. You know, if you earn over a certain threshold, you have to pay more for Medicare. And on that, there's a two-year look back. So it really does get complex. Same with when to take Social Security. And, you know, that's a a benefit that's taxed completely differently. We're going to talk about financial planning in a changing tax world. It's a special presentation. We put several of these on. They're extremely popular. So we got another couple coming up. So listen up for that. We're going to get details on that. Tax planning, really important. Why now? Well, there were seismic changes that happened actually last year in 2022 around the Inflation Reduction Act passed last August, as well as the Secure Act 2.0 passed just this last December. And those changed tax benefits laws, even the age at which people need to start their required minimum distributions from retirement plans in order to continue on the best path towards saving and understanding what you have and will have in retirement. Because of these changes, actually, plans need to be readdressed and reviewed. We're not even halfway through this year, 2023. Something big happens at the end of 2025. It'll be upon us before we know it. The tax brackets and code change again. So our current code that we're experiencing now was established in 2017 through the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, but that reverts back to where the brackets, from where they are now, back to the way they were in 2017 at the end of 2025 
unless current Congress makes the cuts permanent or changes them. This will bring back, for example, that 15% tax bracket for everyone, and it could generate an increased tax liability for many people. Oh, this is a huge thing. We're with Deanne Phillips, Financial Planning and a Changing Tax World, a special presentation that is coming up. In fact, a couple of different locations. So these very situations call for different strategies. Let's talk about the impact of Secure Act 2.0. A lot of changes, but the main one on people's minds is that new required minimum distribution or RMD starting age for those who have any kind of retirement plan. Now, we're not talking here about beneficiary or inherited IRAs. Those go by a different set of rules. We're talking about your own retirement plans that have required minimum distributions that need to be made at a certain age. That means you must take out a certain amount and pay tax at that point on that amount. Now, for a long time, that age was 70 and a half. But the SECURE Act, a couple of years ago, changed that to age 72. And now, this last December, the new improved SECURE Act 2.0 changes it to age 73 or even 74. Five for those people born in 1960 or after. Again, there are many provisions in that act, but that one impacts so many. In a good way? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think yeah, so, I because think it so. gives people more time to save and to do some strategies like Roth conversions potentially after retirement. Okay. How about QCDs, Qualified Charitable Distributions? Who's in that category? Well, people who attain age 70 and a half and have an IRA or retirement plan and are charitably minded can donate part of that IRA or even part of their required minimum distribution after that age directly to the charity. They don't pay tax on what they donate, and the charity doesn't pay tax either. So it's a win-win for both. I like the way you put that, attain a certain age. I'm right. attaining. You're not getting older. You're attaining a certain age. That is right. Well, we don't want to give away the whole presentation, but but in certain points, we're going to talk about things like capital gains, harvesting, and HSAs, and NUA, and Roth conversion. Any in particular you'd like to mention? Well, we are. So a lot of people have heard of tax loss harvesting, taking losses in a taxable account, like a broker-style account, in order to offset a little bit of income in that year and future capital gains. But people might not have heard about tax gains harvesting, and we're going to walk through that strategy and see if it's a good one for you. In fact, the way we present this workshop is we lay out several different strategies with the conditions. Hey, are you in this category? Mm -hmm. Is this what you value? Is this what you want? This strategy might be for you. And then we walk you through how to complete it. Let's talk about when these things are happening. We've got a Milwaukee version. We've got a Madison version. What's the first one in Milwaukee? The first one, financial planning in a changing tax world, is happening in person on Thursday, May 25th at 6 p.m. in our Elm Grove headquarters. You can sign up. It's absolutely no charge to come, but you do need to go to our website under the events tab at AnnexWealth.com. Now, we're on big old WTMJ with 50,000 watts. We're covering Madison. Yeah, so financial planning in a changing tax world is happening on Thursday, June 1st at 6 p.m. at the Frostwood Farms Kitchen in Middleton. Great. Registration details, AnnexWealth.com. Hey, if you want to get started sooner than later, you can always head to our website and click that Get Started button. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development, CFP, CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We are going to be right back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Reminder, this show is going to be on Spotify at the top of the hour. So if you came in late, you want to listen to it as a podcast, that's great. Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Danny Clayton. Dave Spano, our president and CEO, is here. Brian Jacobson, chief economist, is here. You're on Fox Business on Friday, and you've got an appearance on other channels this week. Let's talk about that real quick. Yeah, it's really exciting. I actually get to go to New York City doing some due diligence on some of the funds in which we invest client money in. And as part of that, I'm going to actually be able to be on CNBC on Thursday at about noon. And then Cheddar TV, it's a streaming service at about 3 o'clock our time. And some of those, Danny, we'll be able to, to use. And if you can't see it live, we may have it up on our website and perhaps through our Axiom. Yep, and you could sign up for the Axiom, our free weekly newsletter. But we're working on that, and we would love to have you see that because it was a great piece. Learned a lot. Good. Thanks, Danny. Brian, we were talking about the bearish opinions that are out there and for real reasons why people can be bearish. But it always allows an opportunity as well. And you think about a new day in America, and you think about opportunity sets. For example, commodities, AI technology, biotech, all of these things still are opportunities. But, you know, when people are bearish, they generally think of the S&P 500 and go, I want to run for the hills. There are still ways to make sure that your portfolio is presented to take advantage, even in an environment like this. Yeah, I think that when I envision the market, most people, they do talk about the S&P 500 and forget that that is only 500 of the largest stocks in the United States. There are many other stocks out there. There are many other investments out there. And I think that you just touched on a few of them as far as whether it's a particular asset class like commodities, or if it's a particular theme like artificial intelligence, biotechnology. How are these different areas maybe presenting opportunities for investors, especially if you do get some sort of broad sentiment-driven sell-off in the market that you might be able to take advantage of? That is really a good point, sentiment-driven. And that is a market is a market of investors. And sometimes the sentiment overwhelms. And yeah, I would, I would argue though, Brian, that when everybody's on one side of the room, the market generally has a way of trying to figure that out. Yeah, I think that there's this old saying about how the market really exists to frustrate the hopes or the despair of the majority. Most people, whenever you think that, wow, everybody is so bearish or everybody is so bullish, that's oftentimes when you see what are called big reversals in right. the market. Yeah, and so you think about how you present a portfolio and not all investors have all of their money in the S&P 500. You know, even if it's a 60-40 portfolio, we're talking about 40% in fixed income. And we talk about fixed income, where are you? So there's international opportunities, there's bond opportunities, and of course, there are places in the equities market that are not the S&P 500. And that's really what we're trying to explain. Yeah, when we are talking on our investment committee about the opportunities, we're actually looking at it from a very global perspective. So it's not just, you know, do we want to be in these 500 companies or not, it's looking at emerging markets, non-U.S. markets, small caps. When it comes to fixed income, there's a wide spectrum of opportunities there. You have U.S. Treasury securities, or is it more in corporate bonds? Yes, there's a little bit more of what they call credit risk, but you can also get oftentimes better coupon income by investing in those types of securities. And you go through a portfolio and you say, all right, how should I be positioned? A lot of times, unfortunately, Dr. Jacobson, people set it and forget it, and they don't go back and look at their portfolio. But there is some urgency to take a look at it right now. There really is. I think that when we consider the current current environment, all the fears around going into a recession, the debt ceiling, what better opportunity is there to really take that holistic view of your finances and see whether or not you are positioned in a way that is aligned with your longer-term financial goals. Yes, excellent. And of course, Danny, as you know, it's just not the 
portfolio. The full-scale wealth management means we bring the entire team to the table. We're talking about estate planning lawyers, CPAs, financial planners, PhDs, a couple of these guys running around here. And that really is the wealth metric that we're talking about. And the deep team, we bring that to every investor who comes through. If we've often talked about this, if you're with somebody else, there is absolutely no reason why you should not engage Annex Wealth Management to get a second look. It really is a second opinion. That doesn't mean that what you have is wrong. And a lot of times people come in and we say, this is a question you should ask your current advisor. Yeah, yeah. And it's a quick process. So you head to our website. It's AnnexWealth.com. You click the Get Started button. That begins the process. Just communication. We're not going to bug you. I can promise you that. What we do is investment and retirement planning, tax planning and estate planning. And we do it with the complete power of the Annex Wealth Management team, all the people that Dave described. I mean, talk about really a great combination, working for you and you alone. How about it? Know the difference. We say it. One team, one plan, and one fee. If you heard enough in the last hour to pique your interest, take that next step. See what we can do for you. Click that Get Started button. See you next Saturday at 10. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 620 WTMJ.